wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck dude. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. Here's Jonathan Hood. Welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. If you're a wrestling fan or know of a wrestling fan, tell them Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you download your podcast. As always, thank you so much for downloading the podcast. It's always a pleasure to be able to spend time with you talking professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. Our special guest for this episode will be J.R. Bang from the first Black Champ podcast. J.R. Bang and Cam does a great job of talking wrestling on their own podcast. As we have our conversation, download the first Black Champ podcast as they have their unique style of how they talk about professional wrestling just like we do on this program. We're going to spread all fields really with this podcast. There's a lot of things we got to talk about here as we cross over into the month of November. Really strange year for wrestling with this pandemic and no crowds uh, in the stands for the major market wrestling shows, the WWE and uh, Impact Wrestling and AEW has a sparse crowd in Jacksonville. It's a very strange year for wrestling, as you well know, in 2020. So we'll Talk about a lot of issues around wrestling, and I'll get to my news and notes as well in this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Here we go. And there he is, everybody. First Black Champ Podcast, uh, J.R. Bang, a frequent guest on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, joins me here on ESPN Chicago and wherever you download your podcast. Bang, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Oh, man, anytime. This is a highlight, always. And listen, I, I, need, I, want, I called you because I need, to, I need to find out whether or not I'm too old for this shit. Okay. I'm, talking, I'm about this, like this wrestling, like AEW, right? I declared 
that after I saw MJF and Chris Jericho, like I wasn't watching AEW for the rest of the year. And I had people on Twitter, especially the young people, who's like, why are you giving up on it? It was funny. It was entertaining. I'm like, is it just that I'm too old for this? Or is it that my my sensibilities are exactly where they need to be as a pro wrestling fan and not a fan of sports entertainment? So let's let's let me say this. There has been terrible segments in WWE. Mm-hmm. There's not been a year. I mean, let, look, Mark Henry and May Young had a baby that was a hand. Yes. So, so there have been segments where you just go ah, but but as I had talked about um, on our last episode of First Black Champ is equity. The WWF slash E has built equity within us, whereas AEW for some of us they haven't built that equity yet. They're still, we're still growing. So when we see these things in the WWE, it's almost like one-offs. Like, okay, we know we're going to get a couple of segments or a couple of of storylines where we like, all right, okay. But it's equity built. We've grown with this product. And we know that this ain't the end-all, be-all. But with AEW, it's, for me at least, it's, first of all, they have not built the equity for me to stay engaged when I see a segment that I'm not fond of. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Two, and I've said this on many occasions, for me, they're all over the place. There's no continuity when it comes to storylines. Eddie Kingston is, is wrestling in the main event, and while I like the Mad King, I'm not looking at the Mad King to go up against, um, um, your champion, no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at him to go up against your world champion. Maybe Cody in the TNT championship, because no matter um, how um, Cody puts it, it is the mid-card championship. Um, but I'd rather see him go up against Cody than go up against John Moxley, mainly because of how it's presented. Like, I don't believe that Eddie Kingston is going to win this championship. But you're putting this in the pay-per-view or one of your main shows. Right. So, so but, but that's right after you had Lance Archer. And MJF, to me, should be the champion. Right. Because in one of your bigger shows, you had him go up against John Moxley. You build it up. He's been undefeated this whole entire time. And he loses just to start singing Broadway tunes as a as a leeway to putting in or building dissension between the the the, the, the inner circle. No, that is the storylines and the lack of continuity within the storylines that make a a, a a a segment like Chris Jericho and MJF singing for me go. I. I don't want to see this. You guys are all over the place. Call me when you have some continuity when your storylines. Now, to be fair, and I mentioned this in the last TWT, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm not watching AEW for the rest of the year, so I'm gonna miss out on what Kingston could do against Moxley. So, but that's fine. I'm good with it because it insulted me watching that. Especially as you mentioned, you have not built up the equity. You can't do a Vince McMahon stand back video. 
uh, now. You, you're just right. a year plus into the business. And so the thing that, that disappointed me about it is, is that, like, look, Chris Jericho was on Dan Lebertard's show with Stu Gatz. And, and Lebertard said, did you hear from anybody that had a resistance to what you were doing with that whole Stephen E.D. dance act? He goes, no, but I know someone who would really like it, Vince McMahon. Well, are you entertain trying to entertain Vince McMahon or are you trying to entertain AEW? See, this is this is all on Tony Khan because Tony Khan is a boss that never says no. Never says no. Like I can't ex- I can't think about all the stuff that Jericho has done. It's so WWE like. Now, if you're trying to have a company that's opposite of, of the WWE, then why are you allowing those things? And and but here's the thing. Bang, you and I can't fight City Hall with this because the majority of those shows win. Like I want pro wrestling and I want great promos and I want interesting storylines. But somehow, some way, AEW, it's not across the board, but just some of the things that they do caters to a independent wrestling fan, and that wins almost every Wednesday. But it and you make you make a valid point because I believe that AEW does cater to the independent fan. I think they function as a as an independent wrestling organization. I think that's what they that's what they want. That's what they feel is the lane. So those type of fans are going to love that. Like if you love going to see Evolved or Windy City Pro Wrestling, just going back mm-hmm. or um, no going now with AAW and some of these other local organizations like AEW is for you now for me I like everything I'm I, I don't discriminate in my view of wrestling I, I I looked I downloaded Pluto TV and I found that they had um, Lucha Libre and and I was geeked I was like, oh, wow, Negro Casas. I was extremely happy. <laughs> yes. So so I'm never going to discriminate on my wrestling. But the thing is, is that they have built, those organizations have built capital. Mm-hmm. Whereas, okay, I see what they're doing. I see what they're going. I see where they're going. And to your point, if it is Tony Khan not saying no and letting the inmates run the asylum, yeah. That ain't me. I'm not saying that Vince, they should do a Vince McMahon and he should rule everything because I don't like that either. But Tony Khan is not a wrestling person either. No, he's not. He's a wrestling fan like you and I. But, you know, and what I said, I, I did 10 points on a podcast a couple weeks ago, Bang. I did 10 points. I said five things I like and five things that, that uh, AEW needs to work on. And so one of the points I made is Look at AEW, and if you have a major problem with AEW, just remember WCW in the Nitro era under Eric Bischoff. You remember those times? It was Hogan against the Dungeon of Doom. That was the main. And no, I hated it. No, no, I wanted that see that shit. But but Hogan needed big guys to feed off of. Like, here's Kamala, here's One Man Gang, here's Kevin Sullivan. And it was cartoonish. It was bad. Until the NWO, that's when WCW guys stride. So even in those early years... When they overlooked Mysterio, overlooked um, Jericho, overlooked uh, Dean Malenko, quality matches like that. We look back and it was like, man, those matches are great. But it was overshadowed by the NWO and what Hogan was doing. So I, I'm, I gave AEW the benefit of the doubt. It's okay, it's your first year. You're working at the kinks. 
But man, like I see a wrestling show, I see a variety show, I see bad WWE comedy. It's like they're still struggling to try to figure out who what their voice is. And if and in a year or another two years, if it's the same, then that's not gonna last. Cause we've seen WWE light before. Does anybody remember TNA? Yeah, I see Jim Hurd WCW. <laughs> it's that's, all over the place. <laughs> that's it's, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And and I know some people's gonna listen to this pod and they're gonna and they're gonna say, No, you guys are wrong. Um you can at me at JR Bang, J R B A N G, and you can tell me that I'm wrong. And what I'm gonna say is you like what you like. Yes. Like what um is on my some dude pod, I have a shirt that says, you know, what you listen to don't make me bop. Which which means <laughs> what you listen to me don't make me dance. And what I listen to don't make you dance. We're all gonna enjoy certain things. What I'm afraid of is people are enjoying things from AEW and allowing things from AEW because they dislike the WWE so much i talked about on the pod how maybe i need to be watching impact wrestling more and as soon as i say that the next day they have a a storyline where a wrestler gets shot yes it's like okay oh all right i and maybe i'm just so old school maybe i'm the old school guy that 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 love storylines and love to build storylines. Um, maybe, maybe I'm just a little bit old school and, and need to move away from that and, and just watch wrestling. But no, if this is this is not a ask me. This is athletics. Don't get me wrong, but but this is still entertainment. And and even for a WCW, let's look at WCW in 1989. My favorite year. Okay, I'm gonna give you two years. My favorite year of WCW is 19. 19- Let's look at all of the things that happened in 1989. That is that is Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, but then had a transition to Ric Flair and Terry Funk. Correct. And 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 how they implemented how they put Sting in, in into it. But then later on, Ole Anderson is like, hey, you've been having fun, but you're not a real four horseman. And if you were, you wouldn't want to wrestle Rick for the title. So we're gonna put you out and then we're gonna beat you up. Like that, but 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 that happened over time. Mm-hmm. And during that time, there was the stretch of maybe the best pro wrestling matches between two people of all time. Back to back to back, along with the storylines with it, and transitioned into another storyline with a wrestler, which you thought was retired, but he started to go on his middle age and crazy tour. That's really when it started, 1989. Now... Go ahead. No, I was gonna say when you are when you have uh, nothing to talk about on your wrestling podcast, you should have me on. I can I can tell you the backstory of '89 and the NWA. Uh, there's a lot because my favorite match of all time is in '89 with Steamboat and Flair in New Orleans. Yes. The thing that people don't know is there was only four thousand people there. Yeah, the clash of the. We actually <laughs> talked about that a little. Yes, yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit. The clash of the champions. Yeah. Um, and that was a two out of three falls match. Correct. Uh, so, that, that was my jam. Why? Because I never saw Flair submit. That's the first time I've ever seen Flair submit, and he—that was that um, double chicken wing in that match. Right. And I'm like, he just quit. Damn. So there you go. So yeah. So then you transition 
to 90, 91, you start seeing things change. Um, Jim Hur era things start to become cartoonish. You got the ding dongs that's popping up and everything. But, but then after Hogan and the, the Dungeon of Doom situation, well, you, you realize like, okay, we need a change in Hogan. And, and, and that change comes into the NWO. And you look at how that was done. And that's my second favorite era of, of, of WCW. Now, whereas they probably overused the NWO and put too many people in, you watched that channel, TNT, because you never knew what was going to happen. You never knew who was going to turn. You never knew who was going to get beat up. So while it was like, okay, is you you kind of doing too much, but you still made it interesting until you couldn't do it anymore. Until you couldn't add more people and bring take more people out. And people started to leave. But you still had a main storyline. We need to somehow get rid of the NWO. Mm-hmm. Even in WWF. Like the 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 Macho Man wins the title at WrestleMania four, right. and they spend the whole time of of between WrestleMania four and WrestleMania five planting seeds of dissension. But they did it at all of their big events. And I know that if you listen to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and other podcasts, they would say that they would tell you that the storylines for wrestling they tell you that the storylines for wrestling would be more towards selling house shows right right all right cool but still you saw on from wrestlemania to summerslam the dissension of macho man and hulk hogan when it starts to happen you know hulk hogan putting miss elizabeth on his shoulder touching the butt Oh, what's really going on? And then you start seeing Saturday Night's main event, whereas, okay, what's really going on here? Who's jealous of who? Who's doing what? Who's doing who? And you watched Hulk Hogan and Macho Man go up against Hakeem and the Big Boss Man like they were main event matches. Because they truly were. Correct. Without a pay-per-view. And then it leads to Jealous eyes, all of these things. Macho Man turning the turning on Hogan. You got lust in your eyes for Elizabeth. Lust in your eyes. And and then you get the payoff at WrestleMania Five, and it's long term storyline. Which, if you listen to what I'm saying, I'm a fan of long term storyline. I'm not a fan of short term storyline. So, but but still within that, within your mid cards. You still have some some long uh, some short term storylines. Mm-hmm. Case in point, if you go to WrestleMania, what seven? I think it was seven or eight. Um, seven. You have um, you have Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter, um, and then but then you also have the Ultimate Warrior, and you have Macho Man, mm-hmm. and that was really a short term storyline because it took one person having to cost one person the title. At what some uh, Survivor Series or Royal Rumble, excuse me, and then all of a sudden this, hey man, career on the line, ain't no titles up, mm-hmm. career on the line, right? That was short for Ultimate Warrior standpoint, but then what you what you see after that, 
Hey, write a letter to Macho Man to reinstate him. Let's get him reinstated. Mm -hmm. And then another short-term storyline, Macho Man Jake the Snake Roberts. So you still have, and within that is Never Trust the Snake, Ultimate Warrior, the the all that. So you still had storylines that intertwined, but also that made sense. But again, those companies at that time built that equity. AEW ain't did none of that. I want somebody to tag me in a tweet at me and and tell me what was the storyline in AEW, the best storyline of the year in AEW's first year of existence. Because right now, I ain't seen it. And you got Rusev, who's now, uh, who's back to, you know, he's using his real name, Miro, mm -hmm. who is mad at the best friends because they tore up his arcade game. And who plays an arcade game in the middle of a crowd in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> Makes no sense. Now, I understand exactly what you're saying. I agree with you 100%. But you know that AEW fan or the independent wrestling fans listening to us is saying, yeah, long-term storytelling, nah. And, but you know why I can say that is because that's what Triple H and Shawn Michaels are doing in NXT, NXT UK. It's long-term storytelling. It's more wrestling than than fluff and 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 uh, you know the the ha ha. It's a lot more wrestling than that. And the audience is like, nah, I'll just go over here to the clown show. I'm just saying, like that's the that's the difference. You see it every Wednesday, bang. You're seeing these ratings, right? Yeah. So what? So are we wrong or are they right? I think that we're right. Because ultimately, the way Triple H is doing it, like whenever Vince is done, what he's doing in NXT, he will bring over to the WWE and it'll be the right thing to do. But clearly, the this a certain part of the fan base, especially the young part of the fan base, is like, nah, you two guys are old school. You guys are washed. This is what we want. We want a little wrestling and a lot of entertainment. And that's what you're getting on Dynamite. Well, okay. So one, to those people, you know, I mean, hey, again, you like what you like. What I what I watch don't make you excited. Right. So, and the, and the vice versa. So, if you like it, all right, cool. For me, though, let's first first point Blake Pierre. I don't care about no ratings. I'm gonna watch what I watch. Right. I don't care about but, no ratings. But we're in the bit. Well, we're in the business, though. You but we understand. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, I, of course, of course, I know we are in the business of, but I'm not in that business. Right. So that's for me. I'm I'm in the business of radio ratings. I'm in the in the in the business of digital ratings, mm -hmm. not in the in the in the business of of wrestling ratings. So yeah, you liking that? You I love NXT because I believe that the storyline and the the storylines in the wrestling is better. I, if I see somebody damn near hurt themselves on AEW one more time, like the, what happened to <laughs> what happened to Ridge Holland was a pure freak accident. Yes, it was. Whereas. I thought Ray, not Ray Phoenix. Oh uh, yeah, I thought Ray Phoenix died. I thought I I was scared when he hit that, and and not only that, my wife was watching it at the same time with me, and she said, "Oh, I don't think that was supposed to happen. They're gonna finish the match." And we've seen countless 
countless of of matches on AEW where you like, okay, that wasn't supposed to happen. No. That looks scary. I mean, they had an incident with their with their lady wrestlers, which not going to show up on TV. Where I forgot her name, Abaddon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where she was seriously hurt, and that happens in wrestling. Um, that's that. That's but, the well. That's the independent shit. Like, yeah, right. if AEW had a uh, a gym like NXT does. They'd say whatever you learn when you get your fifty dollars shady envelope from whatever city, and when you do your independent show in in, in, in Evansville, you can't do that here. Here's wh- how this is the standard that we have here. Whatever you do to impress that audience of thirty people in that gym, that's cool. But here on TNT, you're gonna do it differently, and there's a difference. NXT, those are trained people at the performance center, and and, and when you come to AEW, whatever you learn, you just roll it out there daily place and that ain't right there's no standard there because the wwe when they get you inside of the um of the performance center is to break bad habits yeah that you've learned in these places yeah and and to enhance the skill might not necessarily be the character but the skill that you have gained so when when I see AEW, that's another part of it. It's sometimes it's sloppy. I I maybe this is one of those things where and I know you've had more conversations with people within the ring than I have. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so so maybe I believe, you know, if maybe I need to have a conversation with somebody within the organization or just who wrestles and then they can say you know what bang we see what you're saying you know maybe you're just being a bit hard and then they explain to me why i'm being a bit hard on on them and then i say okay maybe you're right because of course i'm going to take the word of somebody who wrestles more than sometimes my word even though i like what i see because i've never set foot in a wrestling ring with that being said I still like what I like. I still love what I love. I still watch what I watch. And 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 I might not know much about how to wrestle, but I I call out storylines before they even happen. And and you've seen me. Like, oh well, I know where this is headed. Call it nine times out of ten, it's the same storyline because a lot of storylines in general are regurgitated, reused from the night, the two thousands, the nineties, the eighties, the seventies. But the thing is, is that those are storylines that can work. These are evergreen storylines that you can use in the seventies, use the eighties, use in the nineties, use in the two thousands, and put your own flair to it. And that's what the WWE does a lot of times. Then you add stuff like, you know, you know May Young having a baby. That's a hate. <laughs> but AEW, on the other hand, I think they are more into entertaining the crowd into let's put an a, a actual dope storyline together to reel you in and keep you. Yes. And part of that reason is not because of them, I don't believe. I believe part of that reason is mainly because the fans don't care. So if you don't care, if you don't care about a storyline or you don't want to be invested in into the product, you just want to see some flips and some stuff, then all right, well, 
that's for you. That's just not for me. Even my last part of this rant <laughs> is mm. Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee. Yes. Cody Rhodes loses the title. He go tapes some some game show stuff, which I ain't following. Get your money and do your thing and enhance your profile. Sure. But then you come back, and when you come back, you go straight to a dog collar match on TV. And you win, get your title back. And since you've paid it off with a dog collar match with nothing in between, nothing to eat, you go straight to Orange Cassidy, who not only loses to you, but it seemed like anytime he gets a chance to go over other than what he did with, with Chris Jericho in a match where whoever, like if Chris Jericho gets thrown into some mimosas, he loses. Yeah. Like you've done nothing with him. See, but to, to for, for context, what does that sound like, Bang? Sounds like the WWE. John Cena is the United States champion. I'll take on all comers. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. Triple H is a champion. I'll take on all comers. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. I'll bury you. I'll bury you. It's interesting. The circle of life in wrestling. The circle of life. The same guys like a Jericho or a Cody Rhodes or some of these guys that were underneath, right? Now, I don't put Jericho in that conversation, but Cody Rhodes in particular and others used to bitch about how they were put underneath by the WWE because they were buried by the Cena's and the Triple H's and the Randy Orton's. And what's happening in AEW? All this young talent you're trying to cultivate, you keep beating them every time you look around. And this is just a year. This is just only for a year. So I'm not supposed to believe in Archer. I'm not supposed to believe in Orange Cassidy. I'm not supposed to believe in Darby Allin. And so because you've beaten those guys in big matches, it's the same thing that happened in WWE. I don't know if people realize that. I'm, that's the other wrestler that I was thinking of. I'm tired of seeing Darby Allen in the crowd. The music plays. And, and then, you know, they they have something dramatic to say, like, oh, man, Darby Allen's in the crowd. He's next. Oh, man, ah, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he's going to lose. Oh, no, he's Jeff Hardy. Oh, you gave him <laughs> Jeff Hardy? <laughs> oh, I didn't give. I didn't even give him Jeff Hardy. Now, that's what Jim Ross keeps telling you. It's, he's, you know, because he's a, he's a strange enigma, you know. Yeah, nah, I, nah, I, 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 nah, um, no, no, nah. Stop trying to push these little guys like these guys are really overly special. Just stop doing it. Yeah, and and you know what? And I think part of the reason why I'm, I'm upset and I'm renting like this is just going back to MJF. He he, MJF to me should have the title. The one guy you believe in, the guy that could transcend any era, as I've said on this podcast, yep. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, that gift to gab, that ability to do more with less, that, that you can put him in, set him in any era of wrestling, bang, and that works. And I've seen yes. a lot of these eras, right? But yet you do that to him, the song and dance. Now, I understand what's going to happen here eventually, and he's going to take over the inner circle. But that doesn't, that, that's not the point. He was special. He, you leave him alone. They didn't do that. But see, that's the. I even have an issue with that. Okay, he's gonna go on. He's gonna go in and take over the inner circle, right? But MJF and Santana and Ortiz don't match to me. They don't fit. Him and Sammy Guevara. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit with any of those guys. 
Now, when Chris Jericho brought them in, I was looking a little bit iffy. But then I have to think, Chris Jericho is the OG. So the OG is going to try to stay young. But then backstage, the OG is also going to teach these guys. He's going to make these guys better. He's going to give them all of the tutelage that they need to to excel. And maybe that's what Chris Jericho is doing here. But even looking at a faction, that faction don't look like anything if MJF is the leader of it. That's why my hope is, okay, if you're going to do this, it's not for him to take over the inner circle. It's for him to blow up the inner circle and everybody goes off on their own to do their own thing. Because if I look at the inner circle, first of all, Santana and Ortiz should be fighting for the tag team titles instead of anybody else. They should be very ingrained in the tag team title hunt. I don't care how many wins and losses that these guys have about the weird thing that they're doing there. I think Sammy Guevara is the other person that's the next big star in AEW. I like that guy. And I think I think that guy is going to be amazing. All right, cool. Put him on his own and allow him to excel. Okay, cool. Who else we got? Um, Jake Hager. Okay, he he. I don't know what he's there for. Um, right, right. Whatever. Um, just have him as a hand. Okay, cool. Um, but the other part of that is Chris Jericho. Okay, I don't. I don't need to see face Chris Jericho. You will. AEW. Well, you will. No, and, and, and no, I don't. He is good at where he is right now. Where he's a heel. But he's a tweener until he he's a tweener when his music is on. And then you hate him when he starts talking. We don't need face Chris Jericho no more in our lives. He should retire a bad guy. Like, it's no, we don't need that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're talking to JR Bang from First Black Champ Podcast. Where we download your podcast, look for First Black Champ Podcast. All right. I want to talk to you about this too. And I don't know if you and Cam have talked about this, but I think that this is a good topic. Actually, I, I want to be a producer for your show. That's what I think that's where I'm because I'm a fan. I just I always have these ideas where I'm listening, right? So, but anyway, that's because I'm a fan of the show. I thank you. So, Bang, do you know that right now in 2020, we are seeing the most black wrestlers to have meaningful storylines in the history of the business? Ever in my lifetime, in the history, of the, in the history of the business, because like, we, like this didn't happen for Bobo Brazil, okay? Because he was the only one of the companies. I, as I told you, Thunderbolt Patterson, which we will not speak of on this show, you know, very often. But Thunderbolt Patterson, one of the guys I I I, I hate in the business. I hate hate because dude would all because Ole Anderson, whatever you think of Ole Anderson would say, okay, we got to have one black on the card. And here comes Thunderbolt Patterson saying, that's right, we don't need that many ends on the card. We don't need that many N-words on the card, so you're right. I'll be the one because he wants to be that one dude. Well, we're not in that era anymore where we're seeing Kofi Kingston, Naomi, Big E, uh, Ricochet, Keith Lee, Bianca Belair, R-Truth, Mia Yim, Velveteen Dream, Street Profits. It goes on and on. In the history of the business, in one company – I've never seen so many black people over at one time. What does that say for the business? Um, for somebody who have been on this show talking about inclusivity um, of black wrestling, and I think it's I think it's big for the business, and I think over time it's going to it's going to be amazing. Um, uh, just from a okay, so 
I watch wrestling. Now my kids watch wrestling. Um, you you will see my kids with um, with wrestling men. My son, my youngest son, is nineteen months old. He knows he don't know how to count to three, mm-hmm. but he know how to pound the mat three times for a pen. <laughs> Yes, Landon will put a wrestling man on top of a wrestling man and pound the mat. One, two, three. Yay! He won't say one, two, three, but he'll go, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. But part of that is not even because of the action figures. So the WWE, WWE Studios had a movie that came, I think it's 2019 or 2018 called The Main Event. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and they watch that's the one show not even cartoons when I'm working in the morning and and Landon is up I can put on the main event and he will sit down on the couch and he will not move until the movie is over he's 19 months old so it's representation that is the clear indication that representation matters if I am a young black man and I see young black people doing things that I like I am more likely to enjoy it and I'm probably going to be involved in the product so even seeing what Asia Smith being a referee mm-hmm. um, at NXT, um, and I mean, it's not like it's never been a black referee before because Teddy Long has been a referee. There's been other uh, referees um, that's been on national TV. Um, but at the same time, that's a young woman who wrestles. But she's a young woman who came in the WWE. She's a referee. More black women to see that. Like, oh, that loves wrestling. Like, oh, I could be a referee. I don't necessarily have to be Naomi if I don't want to be Naomi. That's good. That's dope. I watched Raw this morning because I didn't watch it last night. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the Hurt Business oh my God. and the New Day talking back and forth with each other, man, you, you... You would have you would have had to take a picture on the excitement that I had, and even that back and forth. Like the new day started off by giving by showing everybody but Cedric Alexander love. It's like Bob, you should have been a world champion. I remember your first match. No, Xavier Woods. I remember your first match, and and I stayed up to watch the first match because I had a, a ex um an exam the next day. Um. MVP gave MVP his flowers, gave Sheldon Benjamin his flowers. Cedric Benjamin, ha, ah, you know, ha. Ah. And on the flip, they gave the New Day their flowers too. Wow. But they also showed their differences. Hey, man, this is what we do here. And this is what you do. And what I do is better than what you do. Mm-hmm. So that back and forth, I was looking at it and I was like, man, this is dope yeah you put you screenshot that and put that next to a picture of martin luther king and jesus yes Yes. so (laughs) so to see that which is also my other problem with aew because i only see three and i don't know what to think of will hobbs yet (laughs) yeah i mean he's so green god yeah he's He's so so green. green so so i don't even know what to think of that yet you know but you don't see that at aew you see that in, in Impact because now look who's your world champion. Rich Juan. Rich Juan is your world champion. That's, crazy. That's dope. And how he became champion. Long-term storyline. Hey, man, I'm about to retire. My ankle messed up. Yeah. Can't continue. Eric Young. 
beats him up. He comes in, he wins the championship, and he's already they're already like, okay, we need to go get Rich Swan. Like that representation matters. So when I look at the WWE and I look at Bianca Belair, like, and 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 not only that, like she's being put on a pedestal and not even given a real storyline on the main roster yet. Mm-hmm. But Corey Graves, every show says, hey man, by next year she's gonna be world champion. I'm just letting y'all know this right now. The the hurt business is you laughed at me a couple of years ago. But the hurt business is exactly what I wanted. This is what I it wanted. Is. You laughed at me. You said I don't want Joe to see on my wrestling show or something like that. You said. <laughs> but okay, okay, so look. You so laughed look, at me. So, no, no. So I'm gonna give you I think you're using the wrong term. Cause I don't think that they're Joe to see. Like no I, I think they <laughs> no no. They're not Joe to see. They I'm ain't sure. singing. They ain't singing cry for you. But no. But but I get but I get your point. It's but and I think only because of what I've seen in wrestling in my history. You've seen more than me. So you seen more black wrestlers than me. Yeah. Like, I mean, the 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 best time in wrestling for being black for me was the nation of domination. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to always be like, hey, give me the nation of domination. And I talked about Bad News Brown so many times. So you see what I like. Right. Militant black wrestlers to beat your ass mainly because... That's what I'm used to. Mark Henry, the Hall of Pain. When when Barack Obama shot that three and walked off and said, "That's what I do," I was waiting for Mark Henry. You can you can tweet this or text this to Mark Henry. If he didn't do it, I didn't see it. But I was so upset that nobody put out a video with uh, with Barack Obama shooting that shot and saying, "That's just what I do." And not putting Mark Henry by it. Yeah. He re- Mark responded. He goes, that's my line. Okay. All right. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But So I'm glad that that happened. Mark, do your thing. But that's what I'm used to. I'm not I'm not used to the, the other characters. So New Day was getting tough getting used to, but I'm used to it now. But then looking at the Hurt Business, the Hurt Business is... The Black Four Horsemen. Damn and right. You can't tell me nothing different. Damn now. right. That's what I've been waiting for forever. Forever. But I never expect. Who? Come on. But let, let's be real. Who? Who? African American who listens to your show, or in the world period, ever thought we was gonna get four black men in suits, right? Beating people. I'm not talking about the wrestling in the ring. Four black men in suits. Beating people's ass. And not dancing. And not dancing. They fight people in suits like the Four Horsemen and Evolution did. And even in some cases, the Dangerous Alliance. That's what was so cool about the Four Horsemen. Mm. Hey, man, they beating people ass in money suits, man. You, yeah. you know how much them cost? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, they getting all the girls and everything. But fam, like, Ric Flair got on gators and he just kicked Sting with a gator. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Really want to mess that up? I'm so happy, happy for Shelton Benjamin. I know that oh, yeah. the thing that's held held Shelton back is that he doesn't have great mic skills, but that's okay. Like he's, his ability's always been great. He's just been held back because he can't talk, and that's when you really need a manager and you need a mouthpiece. And there's MVP. And I, I'll say, I said, I'll said it before. I'll say it again. I was wrong about MVP. I told you, I thought that that I thought that the MVP thing was a little washed because it's like the old dude that just got out of jail, and and the last thing he remembers when he's out in the club is saying balling. 
And so, yeah. and so now here's the 2020. Now it seems fresh again. Yeah. Like, MVP deserves his flowers. Yes, if, no question. And, and I and we gave it to him on the past uh, first Black Champ show, and I'll say it. I'll say it here today. MVP deserves his flowers. MVP needs all the respect given for him for what he's done for every member of the Hurt Business, for Ricochet, for Apollo Cruz. He made all these black men relevant and gave them storylines in a pandemic, nonetheless. In the hardest time of wrestling to get over, because you don't know if you're getting over or not, he put them in position and made them look amazing. So if 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 there was a MVP of 2020, it is Monteo Vontavious Porter because he done so. And, and it's not just because these men are black. It's because of how he elevated these guys. And these guys were all scrap heat guys for the exception of Bobby Lashley. These were all guys that people was like, we don't know what to do with these people. And now you look at the Hurt Business and they are on top of, they. well, I won't even say they're on top of the mid-card because they were one of the first picks in the first round of the, of the draft. So do you, you see big things with these people. I can't wait till Cedric Benjamin and, uh, well, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin win. Mm-hmm. The Raw Tag Team Championships. I just wish that Bobby Lashley drops the U.S. title so then he can be deep into the world title hunt. It's fun. It, I, I'm having a ball watching them guys, those guys because those guys are underneath and not appreciated. And now they're in meaningful storylines. And and by the way, shout out to the Latinx wrestlers as well. That's yeah. another, another storyline with Sasha and Bayley. Like that, like we haven't seen that. God, I'd have to do a little research about when Latin wrestlers were on the top of the card as far as being in major organizations. Now, I, I could find this like in Mexico. I could find this in Puerto Rico. I, I find I could find that in other territories, bang. But as far as a WWE type territory or or company, Sasha Banks and Bailey, two Latin women stealing the show again. I mean, come on. It's crazy. And hell to sell. They stole the show. And again, it, it speaks to what wrestling was not only, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. Got to have one Mexican on the card. Have one black guy on the card. Have Here's the, the one women's match. Here's the one midgets match, as they called it back in the day. And now you're starting to see that melting pot of, well, if you can go, you can go no matter who you are. Yeah, and even looking at, like, I mean, even looking at um, Seth Rollins. You know who is Latin? Yes, he is. Uh, he's Latin. Um, and then Samoans. Let's let's not forget Samoans. Yeah, that was uh, next on my list. I want to ask you about Roman Reigns, but go ahead. Oh, look, let, well, let's just get to it. The Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns made my wife mad. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. What? Why she was she mad? She was. <laughs> she, Miriam was like, "Hey, man, nah, this ain't cool." Like, oh, uh, uh-uh. uh. When I saw that. I said, I said then and there, he done it because she's a casual wrestling fan. She knows who Roman Reigns is, but she's a casual wrestling fan due to me. 
But she saw that and she had a reaction. And I think most people miss out on that. Vince McMahon doesn't want the wrestling fan to have a reaction. He wants the casual fan to have a reaction because he wants to bring in that casual fan. So because he knows you're going to react. He knows you're going to boo. He knows you're going to cheer. But if you have a casual fan that just so happened to be paying attention and they react, like, oh, no, nah. like like my wife did. Oh, no, no, Roman Reigns tripping. That ain't that's his cousin. <laughs> and the ref and, 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 and you guys know how I am by the one thing that made me laugh out of the whole match. I was in I was in deep in the match. But there was one thing that made me laugh when the ref goes, hey, that's your cousin. Right. That's your cousin. <laughs> and I laughed because I was like, and me and Kent from the port, get well soon, Kent from the port. We text each other and said, yo, this is the blackest wrestling match I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this is the most earth. Like if 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 you are if you're white and you want to know how black people think of wrestling, look no further than Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Oh my because God. everything in that match was how if we, if most black people were putting together a match, that's it. To the point where I said that is the greatest family versus family match in the history of the WWE. That match to me beat Bret Hart on Hart at WrestleMania 10 and it beat them at SummerSlam. Because how it got the family, the entire family involved, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso. My prediction was one of them or both of them was going to wear legs because of how important of that lay is as being the high chief. Jey did it. Roman didn't. Um, I wanted them to do the ceremony at the beginning of the match. I'm going to hopefully they save that for WrestleMania for Roman Reigns versus The Rock if that happens. I, I, I pray they go full ceremony for that match. But then you get into the match, the talking back and forth within the match, that whole thing. And and, and Jay, Jay is his most improved player. Um, after like three matches, he's most approved player because he ain't the third. He ain't the he ain't the third Uso Us no more right now. He is he is proving more and more that the, of what I'm about to say right here. Um, Samoans have to me just as well as every other you know race, but Samoans and Asians are highly. T- Highly stereotypical, um, made made highly stereotypical. Yeah, Samoans they are you know no man eaters, tribal fish, no shoes, eating eating grabbing fish by your mouth and eating it that way. I saw the shit that Alpha and Sika had to go through. Right, and then you have Asians where you automatically has to be have to know karate, or if you look Asian. You have to know karate. Or or, or um, sneaky like Fuji with the salt. Right. Or spit stuff out of your mouth. Yeah. Right? For years, Samoans were that until The Rock. Yep. But The Rock, they, they in a sense, to me, in my opinion, took away that from The Rock. They took away the Samoan. Once they changed them from Rocky Maivia to The Rock, they took away the Samoan heritage in because you didn't of what we're used to seeing. Then you get to the Usos. 
Usos come in and 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 you know that they are the sons of Rikishi. You know the line and and Rikishi too. Rikishi, um, except for when they tried to make him a former gangbanger who got shot in the stomach and turned his life around, has always been <laughs> head shrinker or or when he had a mask on, um, you know he's always been head shrinker or he's been Rikishi Fatu. So we we were getting that. But then Roman Reigns come in. We know he's Samoan. We know who his lineage is. But but other than him saying, ooh, you're not really dwelling <laughs> on the Samoan heritage. But then you put them two together and you see what they're doing in matches. And you see them at the top of the cars. And you see what Jay is doing. Then Jimmy come through. Bro, what's wrong with you, man? Hey, if anything going wrong with you, man, hey, we take care of it. We family. Then he gets choked out. And then he has the sneaky smile on there. And then he goes to the top of the ramp and his offense sequel will put the lay on him. It's like, yo, I, this this is why I say the Hart family is not the first family in wrestling. It's the yeah. Samoan dynasty. Yeah, I, I don't know where this storyline came from, but kudos to them. This is not a Vince situation by no by no stretch. This is not something he came up with. I, I would seriously doubt that. But whoever came up with this whole storyline is very, very intriguing to me. I, I know, Go ahead. You know what the best part of this storyline is to me from mm. a stereotypical standpoint? What's that? When you bring Paul Heyman in, you think Paul Heyman is talking for this person the whole entire time and he's the dominant figure. He's not. No. He's in the backdrop. Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's he's just the person who's signing papers. That's the best part about this because you don't have Paul Heyman running people down. It's Roman. Say, hey, hey fam, you gotta fall in line. You got you know what you gotta do. Even Paul Heyman was like, all right, Roman, that's your cousin, fam. At the end of the day, that's your cousin. You're going too far now. Like this is this is a different situation, even from what I've seen from Paul Heyman. Because in a sense, he's the scary manager. He never he he's been a scary manager, but he's always been the vocal scary manager that will talk crap and then hide behind his wrestler. No, he's the man. I don't know what this Roman dude gonna do next, but I'm just gonna sign this contract and move out his way. Yeah, this I know. There's levels to this, but this is the best Roman Reigns that we have seen. It's and actually closer to who he is. Bang, the guy. You know, he's always was he was always a heel. Yeah, but they gave him bad verbiage. They made that man say "sucker" and "suckatash," which is <laughs> which is on television in front of God and everybody else, which is amazing. Um, he was ne- he was never going to be that white meat baby face, even after leukemia. Even after that, if you remember, there was still some booze here and there, and it's like, dude, this guy just he just overcame cancer, and you're still booing him because. The WWE crowd needs to have someone to boo like they had John Cena because they thought you keep Roman, you know, you keep ramming Roman Reigns down our throats. We're tired of this. Well, this is who Roman is now. This is what he always has been. I know that there have been wrestlers in the back that would hear Roman do a babyface promo, get booed out of the building. He'd go to the back and like one of the wrestlers say, you're you're a heel, aren't you? And he'd say, yeah, yeah, I am. But I'm not allowed to be that guy. I I just have to smile. And so this is what he is. He is devious. And by the way, this is much better. He's doing a better job with this than Seth Rollins did as the Messiah. Yeah. He is. And I also, and I also, well, you know what? Yeah, but also 
with the Messiah, um, I think for Seth, it's the players in it too. True. Because Buddy Mur like first of all, Vince, if if I can if I can plead this to Vince, um, in this storyline with the Mysterios, Buddy Murphy and, and, and Seth Rollins, like end it. Now, now Vince wrote that. You could tell. Is, yeah. <laughs> I know Vince wrote that. Yeah, Vince wrote that. Now, <laughs> now all the flack that I gave to AEW, this is me showing y'all that I'm objective. Yes. This storyline gotta go. Yeah. This is I'm done with it. Let let you you did a nice thing with Dominic Mysterio. Now let him go off and wait train, so he could fill out his suit. Yes. That's so, what you do. So he doesn't become Eric Watts. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, there, there you go. Like, <laughs> let him go fill up the suit yeah. and then bring him back within like six months. Let let him let's let's build him up a bit because I think as for as green as he was, um, and yes, his dance partner was Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins made him look good, but he grew each match after that where you was like, Okay, I could trust him a little bit more. Um, if you wrestle and I'm wrong, let me know. Um, mm-hmm. but but now let him go fill up his suit. I don't need Aaliyah kissing on Buddy Murphy saying that I love you because when did you start loving him? Just three weeks ago, um, like just four weeks ago, you touched his leg um after he got beat up by Seth. And then so you mean tell me like four months later you love him? What led up to the love, ladies and gentlemen? Fill that fill fill us in to how this happened. What date did you guys go on that your mama didn't know that you went on? Because you like nineteen twenty. So, like, <laughs> let me know how you fell in love. You can't. Let's get this storyline. Well, I agree. I agree with you. Well, I just wanted to find out. I need to to check myself. That's why I need to call you as my conscience to the wrestling business. To find out whether or not I'm getting too old for this shit or not when it comes to AEW. I told you, like, this pay per view is going to take place this weekend. I'm not going to watch it. Like, I'll read about it. There's going to oh, be. Is this weekend? Huh? Is this weekend? Yeah. Is it full gear? Is it? Yeah, I'm good. Ah, you're not going to watch it either. Wait a minute. Somebody nah. goes, what you mean? I'll check the Bleacher Report. <laughs> and since since they're owned by the same company, I'll read the Bleach Report and and how they say this is the this is a an, an amazing pay per view, and then you know go from there. Okay, well you got to, but I mean, some one of the two of us have to watch this from Daily's place. And Jack, yeah, it's it's uh, the seventh as we record this on the third. You got to, I mean, someone's got to watch these. It's Hangman Adam Page against Kenny Omega uh, for the the Eliminator Tournament Final Match. I think we know where that's going. Because uh, Omega is a heel, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yes, he is. He's he's bringing back the cleaner. Okay, Cody uh, with Co- with Cody with Arn Anderson against Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Yeah. Um, FTR, I don't understand this at all. This this is where I left off. Like FTR are heels, but if Young Bucks want to be heels too. Why? So what's the point of that? So it's FTR and against the they, Young if, Bucks. If they don't, if the Young Bucks lose, they don't get a title shot. Okay, well, they're going to win. Um, John Moxley gets Eddie Kingston an I Quit match. Now, here's the thing. Will it be the I Quit match with the referee with the mic in his hand? Or is it going to be like we saw with Uso and Reigns? Because that was a disconnect for me. If your I Quit match does not look like Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA, I'm out. 
Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I need the referee to mic his hand and said, do you give up? No. Yes. I need that. Yeah, we know John Moxley's not quitting, so that's why that's why even this this match right here is. So he's gonna quit the Eddie Kingston. It's too bad because Eddie Kingston. Last time I watched it, his promos are like worldly. Yes. Oh my God! You he makes you believe he's going to win because that guy's a master at 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 the promo, but you know he's not going to win. Yeah, it's like okay, what's the what's the point? Matt Hardy against Sammy Guevara. Someone's gonna nah. get hurt. <laughs> Someone, that yeah, someone's gonna get hurt in this match because that's usually what happens. Yeah, uh, that, that's the match. That's the match that I'm praying for somebody. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it says the Elite Deletion match. So that that sounds like that's gonna be some kind of uh, uh, kind of pre-taped thing. That's what it sounds like. It's gonna be some kind of uh, what do they call those matches now? Someone is yelling at me on the podcast now. You know those like the Undertaker match. Yeah, you know, his last match that we just saw is one of those things where it's you know pre-recorded and it's you know that kind of thing. Oh, a cinematic match. Cinematic match. Thank you. That's I think that's what that might be. Yeah. MJF against Chris Jericho singles matches we talked about, and Orange Cassidy against John Silver. John Silver's over yes. because he's funny. Oh, that's yes. right. That's wonderful. <laughs> so there you go. And he's and he's in the he's in the dark order, so he's not supposed to be funny. And Nyla Rose against Sheeta uh, for the AEW World's Women's matchup. For now World's you Women's give Sunday. them some time. You give them some time. That's probably going to be the best match of the night. That's fine. Uh, Sheeta against anybody, but it's fine with me as long as it's not Big Swole. Yeah, she's terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I, I know we're here to elevate black black people in the business, but she she needs some seasoning. God damn, she's terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I'm not gonna say terrible. She's terrible. Terrible. Bang. No, she is the worst. I mean, here, she, she, she. You know what? She, she is Thunderbolt Patterson. She's all intro, right? She's got one of the best. When she comes down that ramp, it's like wow. She about to kick somebody's ass. The music is blunt, and she's got a great intro, and then the bell rings. I'm, I'm gonna say the women. I'm gonna say it's the people she has. I'm gonna say it's the dance partners for right now. She needs seasoning. Isn't her isn't her hubby Cedric Alexander? I think so. Okay, that's a problem. I mean, he she need, he needs to talk to her. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, she she is the worst. And I understand like the women's division is not very good in AEW. I get that. I mean, most of it's not very good. But just like I see her, you see her matches. You don't think that she don't look? She's not lost in the ring. Lost. I, look, man. I think we're spoiled. Yeah. I, th- I think we're bored. I think I think a couple of years ago we thought it was the best women's wrestling we've seen, um, and mostly carried by the WWE. Yeah, um, we're spoiled, man, because I think we're seeing it again with 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 the women that we've seen right now and the improvement of other women as well. I think I think we don't talk about the improvement of some of the other women in the WWE um, as well. But to that point, Lana getting put through the announcing table every week is more entertaining than a women's match in AEW. You know why that's happening? Because Miro talks shit. (laughs) (laughs) That that one promo. And you know what? 
is working more for her than it is for him. You're right about that. At least she's over. <laughs> yeah, she's, we we look forward to it. <laughs> At least she's over. I mean, Miro says, "I ah, glass ceiling, stick it up your ass. And Vince is like, oh, yeah? How about I put your wife to the table seven times? How about that? And and it and it's it's working better. That that's the point. She gets dropped to a table, and it's better than what her husband is doing, being the guy who's mad because his arcade got broken. I you it's easy for you to sit there and say that bang, but if Miriam was through the table seven times, you'd find your way to the WWE performance center and beat somebody's ass. Not as not as she getting money. <laughs> I'm going to tell you said that. I, I tell her. Because <laughs> she's going to get mad at me and be like, man, it's your fault anyway that I'm in this position. But you know what? Look at what you're doing compared to what I'm doing. I am going to call her and tell her you said that. I, nobody cares about your video game. <laughs> People are now starting to say, leave Lana oh, alone. Oh, man. And I'm on the Survivor Series team. Oh. And I'm probably going to win it if I'm Vince, if it's Vince McMahon. Because what he's going to do is, just like she won won the number one, contend, number one contender match, or she's going to be one of the survivors. That's funny. Tell people about First Black Champ Podcast. Um, It's basically what you just heard right here, man. First <laughs> Black Champ hosted by, hosted by my man Kim from the port. Um, and me, J.R. Bang. It's, it's, not, it's not like that because I don't have the sexy voice like Cam. I don't like, you know, you be making like a good point and Cam be like, yeah, yeah. yeah Cam, Cam, Cam does have the, the baritone voice. It's like, oh, man, so Blaze, oh, oh, so you talking about wrestling, huh? Okay. Man, okay. Iceman, yeah, Par- man. Iceman Parsons? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know who he is, but I'm going to look it up. But no, nah, man, First Black Champ, we talk about wrestling in the way that two urban kids would. We don't, we're, we're not up here talking about drop toe holes and finishing moves. Uh, we're talking about why we enjoy the product, what we don't like about the product. Uh, we're talking about the wrestlers. We do oral histories. We have an oral history that we did with Jonathan Hood, um, which is one of my favorite episodes, which is about the junkyard dog. So y'all need to go ahead and check that out. Since y'all listen to Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, go check that out. Um, we have people come on from time to time. Shouts out to my man, Boogie D. We had a very, he hates AEW, by the way, too. Um, and he hates Vince McMahon, but I think he hates AEW more than he hates Vince McMahon right now. Um, but, but we had an episode a couple of weeks ago, um, where we talked about, um, Brian Pillman. Um, so we're not just so, so, just the heads up we're not just talking about you know black wrestling we talk about all wrestling because it's first black champ and we gave brian pelman his flowers who would have thought that would happen for first black champ but we just try to have fun with what we talk about enjoy the product we don't take ourselves too seriously like some pods do we just like to we just like to talk about wrestling um because we grew up with the product all right so that's first black champ podcast wherever you download your podcast Yes, sir. Well, man, all the best to you and the family. And uh, hopefully we will get a chance to see each other on the other side of this pandemic. And uh, and that'll be great. Oh, we most definitely will if everything goes right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. On the, other side, on the other side of this, hopefully we can be able to, to be together again and be able to yell at, at, and talk about each other and, and argue about Big Swole. There we go. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you. 
No problem. It's great to hear from my guy, J.R. Bang, from First Black Champ Podcast. A couple of news and notes. Kylie Ray announced yesterday that she's no longer a professional wrestler and will also take a break from social media. Uh, there was a trend on social media the other day that says, hashtag thank you, Kylie, K-Y-L-I-E. There were various factors that led to her leaving professional wrestling, and it seems fans were one of the reasons why. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, says that uh, she was harassed for a very long time, going back to the days when she worked in AEW. Fans harassed her for her body shape and told her to lose weight and get in shape. So she's no longer, I know she was in Impact Wrestling. That's the latest that I saw her wrestle in Impact Wrestling. And now she says that she is uh, totally retired now from the business. And again, it comes from uh, harassment is probably one of the reasons why that she left the business. That's always unfortunate when that happens. And, you know, it's just, it's part of it. When you are a public figure, you know, people that have no life, are just going to come at you for, for no reason at all. So can't be surprised at that because people, some people are just assholes. Um, Chris Jericho says that he is never leaving AEW. So, Chris Jericho, one of the top stars of AEW, has been a staple in the company since its inception in 2019. During his Talk is Jericho podcast, Chris Jericho revealed that he does not intend on leaving AEW. He says he will not go to any other promotion ever again. To me, it's one of those things where I'm very glad that uh, we were able to get take a chance and get this company off the ground and make it successful. And I have no intentions of ever going anywhere ever again. I like it here. I like working for the Khan family. It's been a lot of fun, which sometimes it wasn't a lot of fun in the WWE. So it's definitely a whole different vibe here. So some thoughts there from Chris Jericho saying that he's not going anywhere ever again outside of AEW. Uh, time will tell on that. Did you see that there is going to be a Netflix docu-series on Vince McMahon? I find that interesting um, because Vince McMahon is, is, for someone who has been a public figure for a long time, I'm wondering what kind of story will be told. Vince McMahon will be receiving Netflix document series that it will be based on his life. It is touted to be the most expensive documentary series in the history of st the streaming service. Bill Simmons from The Ringer will be the executive producer for the series, and many fans are eagerly awaiting the series. So Vince, Mc uh, Vince McMahon, his story is very interesting. Um, Stephanie McMahon said that she is nervous regarding this series uh, as far as people knowing the relationship between her and her father. The series will be divided into four parts uh, and will tell the story of a man from North Carolina who grew up uh, without running water and went on to be a billionaire. Now, for the first time ever, there's going to be a four-part documentary on the life of my father, Vince McMahon. It's going to be on Netflix. It's a really big deal. I'm totally nervous about it. I want to protect my dad. Not that he wants to be protected. There's no one like my father. He grew up in a trailer park in North Carolina, and he didn't meet his dad until he was 13, had no running water until he was 10. To have someone who truly lived the American dream, who believed in himself, who was willing to invest in himself, the things that he had to do even to get into this business, let alone uh, take over the business, which at the time was regional. And so those are the quotes from Stephanie McMahon about Vince McMahon.
that, I'm interested in watching, and what kind of story will be told there. Um, so that's <laughs> that'll be very interesting to see the uh, the docu series on McMahon and how true will it be? Will it cover everything that we need to know about uh, the about Vince McMahon, the wrestling business, everything else? So we'll keep our eyes on that. So as always, I appreciate your support for uh, TWT. Don't forget. To tell people that I'm talking wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday we drop something new and fresh for you on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Go back to the archives. I just did a special podcast because we found out about the passing of Tracy Smothers, which is very sad. So we kind of went over his career. We talked about AEW and we had some terrific guests and great conversations about the crazy world of professional wrestling. So I hope that you check out um, the archives of the podcast if you missed it. Just go back, subscribe. That way you never miss an episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to JR Bang for being our special guest from First Black Champ Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time with another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. Thanks so much. And don't forget, check out Captain J Hood mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time. No matter, no matter where you are, you can download the ESP in Chicago app and check out the Captain J Hood morning show that I'm on every single day, Monday through Friday, weekdays, uh, 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000. Uh, and or check out the podcast, Cap and J Hood Podcast, wherever you download your podcast, check out our talk about Chicago sports and everything else in between. All right. As always, I appreciate you listening. Talk to you next Tuesday. Until then, so long for now. Uh-uh.